Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations, identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their business and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member at universities in the U.S. and Germany. Today with us are John Maqueda and David Annunziata. John is the Vice President of Corporate Development for Performance Assessment Network. He's a business leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker. And David Annunziata is the Vice President for Federal Solutions at the Performance Assessment Network. He's had numerous conversations regarding the challenge government is having attracting Gen Y and Millennials to come work and lead in the future, making the emotional connection to Gen Ys and getting them more attached to make a real difference in the federal government. So my goal with this Voice America show is to provide information to leaders and emerging leaders to keep you well prepared and ahead of the curve so you are able to innovate how you lead to keep pace with the rapid change we're facing. So my hope is that each of you walk away from this show with ideas you can implement immediately. I look at leadership as transitioning from command and control to the mind of a scientist. So as a scientist, I should be perpetually trying on new behaviors, assessing them and modifying. And so through these conversations, they are geared to present information that you as leaders can either try on or to help shift your mindset so that you are thinking differently. So specifically, this show will focus on the book Leading with Vision by David and John. They set out to explore trends in executive development and understand how creating a compelling vision allows businesses to engage the ever-elusive millennial, effectively developing a framework and an actionable blueprint to help leaders nurture talent more effectively. They outline four approaches to leadership to create a compelling vision that others will unite around, courage, clarity, connectedness, and culture. When brought together, these calculated leadership principles form a powerful strategy to create your compelling company vision. So welcome both David and John. Let's get started with a brief overview of the book and some of the demographics behind why this is important. Sure. John, why don't you take that, John? So this book, you know, the, the, the reason we, we actually wrote this book is that in 2016, we published a research study called Trends in Executive Development, and it was a benchmark report. And it was a, a collaborative effort between a company called Executive Development Associates, Pearson Talent Lens, and the Performance Assessment Network. 
And so we went out to approximately, I guess, 466 organizations, and we wanted to know what they were doing to develop their next generation leaders, right? Just what were the top priorities in executive development? What were the innovation and best practices and, and how they, uh, you know, they were designing their programs and uh, what was the level of participation? And basically, we wanted to know what was working and what was not. You know, and, and the, uh, the, the survey respondents, you know, included chief learning officers, senior business line executives, vice presidents of training and development, and HR. And what we walked away with was this. The trends revealed three things. One, the number one need among organizations that is to have, they identify the number one uh, need among the organization in order to be successful is that they needed leaders who could create and communicate vision and engage others around it. The second thing we found out is that we also asked them what their most lacking competency was for the next generation leaders, and it was their inability to create, communicate vision, and engage others around it. And third, what we found out is that uh, we realized that very few organizations in our study were doing anything to develop that skill set, both for their current leaders and their emerging leaders. And that was really the, the motivation behind the book and why we, we, uh, why we wrote the book. And the book was designed to help address that problem. So it actually gives practical tools that if I were a reader and a leader or an emerging leader, I could buy this book, do what it says, and be better. Yeah, no, absolutely. Any organization that is, uh, that is trying to identify, one, you know, what they're doing to attract this next generation uh, of talent, right, and look at how can they compete in the 21st century, with uh, the research that we came back with, it all starts with the vision. So the backdrop of the book and why it's getting such a you know, great response, we think is timing. And so, you know, looking at, you know, and you look at the backdrop of where we are uh, in this country, uh, you know, demographically, if you look at, you know, a few issues, right, Generation Y at this point in time, say uh, we, we peg it between 32 and, and 12 years old, that population, we're forecasting that, that, that will, this population of Generation Y will make up about 75% of the workforce by 2025. You also look wow. at the baby boom generation. Now, the baby boom generation defined, you know, at, at uh, you know, people that are generally, say, 73 to 52 years old. There's about 78 million of them in our country at this point in time. They are starting to, to, uh, uh, to retire at a rapid rate. What, what people are, are, aren't recognizing is that the population behind the baby boomers, Generation X, people between 52 and 32 years old, it's significantly smaller. It's a small generation. It's about 11% smaller than the baby boom generation. And so when you look at this shifting demography, right, the normal workforce transition, you know, from aging, right, is just exaggerated because you have a large generation followed by a small generation that is followed by a very large generation. So the issues that, that, that are happening is that organizations and government agencies are going to need to get this younger generation up to speed uh, as soon as possible in, in order not to survive and to compete. And so what we found, the essence of, of, of this book, is that if your organization is interested in getting the attention of the next generation, the brightest and best, we clearly revealed in research that they will need to make an, an emotional connection with this group in order to get their attention and get them on board. That's why the vision at this point in time, there's such a, a significant and renewed interest in creating compelling vi uh, vision statements within organizations. 
So this is interesting to me because I've heard a lot of conversation about what attracts millennials. And often I think people end up going in the direction of foosball tables and that stuff. And this seems much more substantive. Yeah, yeah it without, is. Without, so, without you know, question. It, it, uh, you know, it goes back to, to do, you know, what, what, is it, what is a vision, right? I mean, what, what exactly is it, Maureen? I mean, how do you define it? And so, you know, we, we define vision, you know, as a, as a very clear picture of a positive future state, right? It illustrates where the company is going. And the visions are designed, you know, to provide people with a compelling reason to make progress towards a goal. What we found is that if your vision and your organization does not establish an emotional connection with this next generation, then you're not going to get their attention. And, and you know, it was clearly, you know, you know revealed in, in, in the book that this generation of, uh, of especially the, the top talent, the bright young minds, they're not going to be moved by uh, facts and figures, and, and they, they, they want an emotional stake in the game. So this really gets to the underlying, I want to have meaning in my life and make a, an important contribution to the world. Yes. Yeah, and I can, now, is this any different than any other, uh, you know, other population? Uh, probably not, but if you look at it through the lens of demographics and within that backdrop, it's just exaggerated because we have a significant issue. You have a large population of 78 million people in the baby boomers that are retiring, followed by a smaller generation, which, you, which in, in essence creates the skills gap demographically. And then you've got a larger generation, the largest generation in the history of our country at 80 Six million. So the problem becomes exaggerated based on math. So the 86 million are actually going to go up that professional ladder more quickly because there aren't enough in the generation ahead of them. Yeah, so in that exactly. way it's beautiful. You need to get but that generation gotta... up to speed as soon as possible because you can't fill the gap if the people don't exist. And, you know, and, and David, you know, can talk about what's happening in, in, in you know, our, our government agencies on a federal level, primarily uh, with the backdrop of a, a mandatory retirement age, which even makes that even more exaggerated. A couple of the points that have been made is, you know, spot on. You know, uh, obviously the survey and the data has been you know, is proving out probably something that we anecdotally already know, right? People get attracted to a vision. They're impassioned. They're, they, they want to make a difference. And we've seen that for years. If you look at some of the agencies in the federal side that are the, you know, through surveys, the best places to work, the Peace Corps, the intelligence community, NASA, I mean, those are ones probably, even if you weren't around it, you'd probably, if they gave you a list, you would say, well, that seems pretty cool. That looks like a place I can make a difference. That looks like a place that I can make an impact, maybe change a few things. And, you know, it's also, even in the human capital world, well documented that when people leave a role or or a company or an organization, it's, it's really not about the money. Um, it's usually about, you know, their job, their satisfaction, the people they work with. So that all dovetails into, in, into that theme of the vision. And I'm, even, I'm sure even with your organization, Maureen, that's, you know, it's a challenge you probably have. You know, how do I keep creating a vision for, for the people who work in my, my company, moving us forward, attracting the, the best folks? And, you know, and the government, you know, I even thought through it a little bit. I said, you know, they could even revitalize the Uncle Sam advertising of hiring and and making a difference and the government needs you for the next generation of leaders. 
And obviously they would bring that up to speed with different jobs, different genders, different ethnicities and things like that. But that's, that's really where they're at. Having to tap into this group of millennials and Generation Y who have never been more educated, right, in our society, probably never been to some degree more affluent in the sense of, you know, what we have and what's available to us. So I think even more so, they're looking for, okay, I have a couple of bucks. I went to school. I either, you know, maybe have my master's degree, but how can I make a difference? What organizations are there out there that can inspire me, that I can take my passion? And, you know, what either side of the aisle that you're on politically, I think we saw in the last year how passionate people are out there right now. There's a groundswell of passion to make a difference, to make an impact. And I think the federal government can tap into that and, and attract some of these great folks. So this applies to the federal government that has a specific set of challenges and is also universally applicable for business organizations, nonprofit organizations, NGOs. Yes? Agreed. Okay, and so then simply put, what I think I'm hearing is millennials specifically and most of us in general want to make a difference in life. And part of that is we have the luxury of some of our basic needs are met. I don't worry about where does food come from, especially living in the United States. Unless I'm in a food desert, I pretty much go down the street and buy food. So I have the luxury of worrying about things like purpose. And if I am in that demographic, then businesses can attract people who want purpose through the use of vision. Is that summarized properly? I think so, but just to kind of you know, maybe narrow it a little bit is that, right, there's always going to be folks who all they care about is, you know, just having the basics and, and not passionate or not really want it. You know, they, they, it doesn't make a difference to them about making a difference. You know, I think where, you know, and John, jump in, I think what we're also, you know, honing in on or targeting here is, hey, if you want to attract the, the best and brightest, if you really want to make, have a next generation of leaders in your organization, then you better be able to communicate your vision. You better have a vision, be able to communicate it, and then on the back end, once you've brought those leaders or those potential leaders into your organization, help them, train them, teach them how to communicate that vision of the organization so that, one, the organization can perform, and two, subsequently, you're bringing in future leaders in that next generation as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, that's exactly it. It's a competency or a skill set. And David's right. I mean, if, you're, if your organization or federal agency, if you want to attract and retain the, the, the next generation of A players and top talent, the research is clearly indicating that they are, are looking for an opportunity to exercise their occupational purpose. And if you have a very compelling vision, that will help you not only attract but also accomplish goals within the, uh, you know, the agency, the organization. Okay, perfect. Let's stop there. Let's go to commercial break, and we will be right back. This is Maureen Metcalf with John and David, and we are talking about leading with vision. We'll be back after commercial. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We're talking to... John and David, about their book, Leading with Vision. So let's jump into the question. We talked about the, the generation of millennials being 12 to 32, I think. Young, anyway, people not in the workforce, up to 32. Are the millennials prepared to lead, one, from age, and two, from skills and life experiences? No, I think there's a lot of research out there indicating, you know, one, I think this this population is getting a bad rap, right? I think there's a lot of evidence and research out there indicating that this population, you know, has a difficulty a difficulty communicating, right? They're they're uh, technology dependent. That they can't. Uh, there's some evidence that they uh, have low critical thinking scores. They grew up in an environment that everybody's a winner, right? And everybody gets a trophy, and and that uh, that they can't compete. Uh, you know, my my thought on this population in interacting with it is, I think this generation is full of extremely bright uh, young minds, and that they will make a very very significant impact, not only in in this country, but you know, more specifically, the world of work. And, you know, if we recognize that this is the largest generation in the history of our, our, our country, anything that they do is going to be exaggerated just because there's more of them. So, you know, my feedback on it is that they're not unlike any other, uh, you know, population or generation. It's just uh, there are significantly more of them, which are following a smaller, uh, smaller generation and, why, and that they're in need. And so, you know, they, they're going to need to get up to speed a little quicker than past generations. 
And I think that they, um, you know, they just learn differently based on their experiences with technology and and uh, in their learning environments than compared to past generations. But can they communicate? Can they critically think? Uh, will they have the opportunity and to lead effectively? I think absolutely. I just think that they're going to do it differently, and we're going to need to embrace that and bring them up to speed. I think that's one of the key parts of the equation. They need to reach out to us. We need to reach out to them, provide the mentoring. I've heard people be very critical, but the reality is sitting back and criticizing doesn't help. These are the people paying for our Social Security and keeping the world running. So stop throwing stones, jump in, mentor, coach, do what we can. If they were our kids, we would not just criticize. We would jump in and help. And it seems like, again, your book is geared at providing some solutions to this. Yes. Yep. And, and, the, and also the, you know, the, the trends in executive development, you know, the benchmark report that was published in 2016, you know, outlines, you know, uh, you know um, best practices and, and, you know, effective ways to develop emerging leaders. So let's jump to what's going on with women in leadership roles. We've talked about millennials. Well, you know, my, my thought is, is the timing right for women? You know, are we, are we looking uh, for women to lead? You know, could it be the right timing? I think that, you know, based on some research, you know, you're looking at right now, uh, you know, in our country, women outnumber men in college, right, at a, at a 60-40, at a 60-40 ratio, right? You know, and, and I think there was a, an article that uh, was published in, what, February 2016 by uh, the Harvard Business Review, and it basically uh, identified that firms with more women at the C-suite uh, are more profitable. There's and a lot of research that supports that. Right? And so, you know, firms with more women in the C-suite are more profitable. They were, they were pro- they were, and, and the reason behind that is, one, women offer uh, skill diversity. They have a different skill set, which helps with staff development and, and mentoring and performance and communication. And the second, uh, which I thought was very interesting, was that you know, there's less gender discrimination. If you have more women in the C-suite, you have less gender, uh, gender discrimination within the organization, which is specifically correlated to helping more effectively recruit, promote, and retain top talent. So if you have to those two uh, schools, uh, the, those skill sets, you know, considering the fact that based on our research and leading with vision, that organizations will need to create an emotional connection with this next generation and the next generation of employees to attract the, the brightest and the best. And the question is, you know, will you know, women make a significant impact in helping organizations lead with vision? And I clearly think the answer is yes. Okay, so, so the connection between women and the book is we are women, most women have more access to this way of being that allows us to create engagement and, and emotional connections. Yeah, I, I, you know, I believe so. I mean, looking at, you know, looking at, you know, that, the article from, from HBR, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, if, if there's more women in, in the C-suite and, and, and the organizations become more profitable uh, due to two reasons, one, that they have a different skill set uh, in the skill diversity, and two, that there's less gender discrimination in allowing them to, to attract, uh, you know, and, and retain top talent, you know, considering what we research in Leading with Vision, uh, you know, will there, you know, that organizations need to create an emotional connection with this group in order to attract them, you know, the question is, do you think, you know, women will make a significant impact in, in leading with vision from, you know, from the outside looking in? I think the answer is yeah. 
You know, I resist bucketing people, especially by gender, because we're half the population and we're each of us quite diverse. But I think the research would support exactly what you're saying, That, and you're saying it does support it, that women have certain dispositions based on our physiology, and specifically if leading with vision is about creating emotional connection, that women seem to be physiologically wired to do that a little better than men do. So let's go. So we've talked about millennials. We've talked about women. We've talked about leading with vision. When we bring all of those together, does that enable us to reduce turnover? Well, I think I, I think it does. And you know, looking at what, what causes turnover, I mean, the question is: is is turnover preventable? Again, there's research, you know, that was recently released by, you know, a, a group called the Work Institute in, uh, in, their, new, uh, in their, their new 2017 retention report, and, uh, and basically is indicating that, yeah, the uh, turnover is preventable. And if uh, organizations are willing to have, uh, you know, intelligent conversations with their employee base, you know, are, and, and people are leaving primarily because of, uh, reasons like career development, work-life balance, management behavior that could be easily corrected, then you can reduce turnover and, 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 and essentially could be preventable. So the vision then filtering down to our culture and our systems and processes, if we get those in line with this more diverse workforce, broader age range, right, more of us on the planet at different ages, setting aside retirement, and the diversity of points of view within each of those age groups, the vision has to translate to culture and systems. Absolutely. Okay. Let's move to government for a minute. How can government attract and retain A players, again, given the, the context of millennials' vision, how women behave in the workforce? What are you seeing, David? Yeah, a lot of the points that we've touched on, um, and as we spoke about earlier, you know, transcend over, you know, to government, you know, private sector. While they'll, you know, folks will say that, wow, there's a really different marketplaces or different environments. People are people. Um, I don't think there's that much of a difference. Surely the work environment, maybe. But, it, you know, going back to what we were just talking about, if you look, um, there's a survey out, and it's done every year, best places to work in the federal government. Um, I mean, there's a direct connection, a direct correlation between the agencies um, who are at the bottom of the list and their turnover. There's no question. It's, you know, you really don't have to dig very deeply into the numbers to, to see that. The good news is, you know, as I spoke in an earlier segment, those agencies that are at the top of the list are communicating vision, are hiring a diverse workforce. I'm certainly seeing women in roles that, you know, maybe somebody would typically think a a male would be in as the CIO um, or the CTO. Chief Information Officer, Chief Technology Officer, which is great to see for all the reasons that, that we've already mentioned. And just leading certain segments of, of, of the government, leading certain uh, segments of the particular agency. There are some programs within the federal government that are 
being bolstered because of what we're talking about. They call them the Pathways Program in short order. You know, there's typical hiring or attracting, and then there's the Pathways. It's kind of an accelerated program where they're reaching out to universities, looking at the best and brightest, trying to attract those folks and fast track them into the government and put them into the program to become leaders. And I know for sure that the federal government is making efforts to attract, you know, a diverse workplace, not, you know, by gender, ethnicity, background, so that more and more folks will want to come, feel impassioned about being in the federal government, and going back to our earlier theme of making a difference. Cool. So that said, what factors would help the government create a compelling vision? Because I think you're tying vision to best places to work as the foundation, and government operates differently. So if you make the case that we need it, what helps government organizations create it? Well, <laughs> not to be on the flip side of that, but you know, sometimes the discourse in, in politics kind of you know, throws some water on that because they have to be able to show that and project out to the population that, guess what? you actually can make a difference. It's not the, the muck and mire that's maybe portrayed out in, in, in the media. If you do come here, and these are all the great things that people are doing. And I would think that some type of advertising or public relation type of outbound, whether it's radio and or TV or magazines, but to highlight individuals across the government who are making a difference, not just the secretary of the agency, the one who's on TV, mm-hmm. but the folks who, who are doing the daily work. What kind of difference can you make at, you know, even, even agencies that maybe not as notable? You know, National Endowment for the Arts or, or you know, Office of Personnel Management or, you know, a Customs and Border Protection. You know, a lot of these agencies, the people are working hard, but you, know, you really don't hear about the work that they're doing day in and day out. And I think they could do a better job of letting the general public, you know, we're kind of in a bubble here. I'm, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. And, you know, we're in a little bit of a bubble. We think everything that goes on is, you know, is within, you know, 35 mi- miles from, from um, Pennsylvania Avenue. But, you know, the general public in Maine, California, Montana, sometimes they don't know what's going on. They don't know what these people do. And I think that showing women, men, uh, minorities, you know, across the board, having an advertising campaign to show the difference that these people are making on a day-to-day basis will certainly, I think, start to attract folks to who want to make a difference. You know, we, tragically, we saw this 15 or so years ago. You know, it was unfortunate and terrible circumstances, 9-11. But, wow, you saw how many people joined the, the arms, armed services after that who volunteered, signed up. You saw how many people wanted to get into the intelligence business or community after that. So the point of really of that is, and not to be on a negative note, but to show that, you know, when people have a vision, people want to make a difference, it's a, it's a call to action and people will take action. Perfect. Thank you. I, I really have a colleague who's writing a book right now on military specifically, but how they are leading social trends. So diversity, GLBT, one could go on and on, but, but the idea that the 
government and the military, if we think about vision, they really are in many ways changing the demogra- or changing the workplace complexion of our society. And if I tie that back to vision, it's for many of us a value we hold quite dear. Mm-hmm. That's exactly you know, Maureen, right. The, uh, and I think what David was, was uh, you know, also talking about was the power of storytelling. You know, and so vision and and creating a vision is one part of it, but uh, another very important part is actually communicating it. And if you're not telling the story properly, then this population, Generation Y, won't hear it. And I think whether it's a private sector organization or or federal agency, the power of the story and, and the process that's involved is critical. So, John, let's hold that for now. We'll come back and talk specifically about storytelling after the break. We're going to go to commercial break. We will be right back. This is Maureen Metcalf, John and David, and we're talking about leading with vision. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf. Our guests are John Makita and David Annunziata, and we're talking about leading with vision. So, John, before break, we were talking about the importance of storytelling as a way of communicating vision. So you talked about organizations have vision, and yet each of our leaders needs to have the capacity to communicate that vision so that people can connect with it emotionally. So say more about the storytelling. Yeah, so, you know, so going back, you know, to, you know, um, one, you know, the, the, the need and the competency that we identified, not only to create, but to communicate 
vision and engage others around it. That is the number one most lacking competency in next generation leaders, the ability to create, communicate, and engage others around a vision. What we found is that the process of storytelling is critical to that process. So you can create the best and most compelling vision, but if you cannot communicate that in a way that it needs to be communicated to this next generation, they just won't hear it. And so the role of storytelling has become extremely important in communicating vision. And today, right, in this 21st century, the medium is the message. So storytelling allows you to spark an emotional connection with your base, right, your current and your future workforce. And we know historically from the beginning of time, humans really aren't ideally set up to understand logic. They're ideally set up to understand what? Stories. You know, and if you looked at this, you know, environment that we live in, the 21st century, it's a technology-driven environment. You know, and so communication in all its forms, really, it, um, it's never been more challenging or more important, really. And I don't think we'd find a leader out there, whether it's at a federal agency or or a private sector organization, that won't agree that creating a compelling vision for the future is crucial. But having the ability to communicate that vision in a way that it reaches, uh, you know, it reaches employees or future employees at an emotional level is a completely different challenge. And that's that's where the whole art of storytelling comes in. We know, right, we know... That, that emotion and, and decision-making go hand-in-hand, hand, right? So a person's emotion influences their behavior, how they process information, right, how they, they make judgments. And we also know that emotion is a, a very powerful driver of performance. So this connects to Daniel Pink's work and the whole idea of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Purpose is you've got a vision and you've communicated it in a way that I can engage and connect it to my personal purpose. Exactly, and the way they can hear it, right? And the, the way they can hear it and, and, and the way they can experience it or feel it, right? So what is the vision of the company? Was it, you know, was it, uh, you know, Maya Angelou said, right, well, people, uh, people can forget what you said, they can forget what you did, but they, they'll never forget the way you made them feel. That's, that, 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 in essence, is the role of storytelling. And, and so here's, mm-hmm. the, and here's the group. Communicating in, in the 21st century you know, has never been more important and it's never been more challenging. You look at the communicating the story where from a federal, you know, a federal perspective or a private sector perspective, you know, the vision of the company. Now, we live in, a, we live in a, a world that's driven by innovation and rapid change, right? We live in a world where products are easily copied and, and commoditized. But if you look at you know, uh, someone's feelings, right, or, or, or sense of being connected or, or, or connected to a purpose, you can't copy energy, and you can't copy enthusiasm, and you can't copy passion. So essentially, by default, that starts to become a differentiator in the market. And you know, when what we found out, in, in, you know, and what we highlighted, we actually devoted an entire chapter to storytelling and, and, and leading with vision, primarily because what we wanted the readers to know is that telling a story, uh, you know, in the 21st century is much more complicated than it has been in the past, and we need to recognize that and accept it. We need to understand and accept the fact that one-way communication won't work anymore. It just doesn't work. And telling a story in, in, in the 21st century requires the use of various mediums 
but various mediums simultaneously. And what we identified is that that is called transmedia storytelling. It requires, and I think David was talking about this earlier, the storytelling is going to require not only words, it's going to require pictures, music, and film at the same time. And if an organization can communicate their vision this way, and if they deliver it properly, it becomes probably the most powerful way to connect people with a subject because it becomes multi-sensory. And what I hear, the underlying purpose is for people to connect. Me as an employee, I have to connect my sense of purpose and experience and emotion. Exactly. So it's not enough that that's a cute story. It has to be compelling to me. Right. Okay. So let me shift gears a minute. It would be remiss of me, since I'm talking to people from a company named the Performance Assessment Network, not to ask, and we've talked about a range of skills from setting a vision to communicating to changing culture to align with the vision. Is there a way that you use assessments in the selection process to identify people who have these competencies, or do you grow them once you hire them? Yeah, um, this is David. I'll, I'll, I'll take that a little bit on the federal side and the government side. And one of the interesting kind of shifts has been looking at the traits of folks, their personality, and using good tools around that. You know, uh, one of the points we've made earlier is that I, I, would, I would guess, and probably John Pauly, you know, as you can tell, has all the data at his fingertips, but I don't think there's really been a more educated group than the millennials as far as the percentage of, of population. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm here in the, in the Washington, D.C. area, and you know, with the great universities that we have locally for, you know, for to shout out to you, um, you know, like James Madison and Virginia Tech and UVA and all the, all the other ones, you know, there's no doubt that they're educated. We can see that. We can see. We, we, see, the, we see their background. We see their diploma. We know that they probably have the knowledge and some skills, um, cognitive, if you will, around that. So there's kind of a level playing field for the most part. But what's going to make the difference with these folks? What, what other type of competencies or behavioral aspects can we look at to start to measure? And that's where we get into some of the tools. Like, um, and one of our, on one of our more popular tools, the 16PF, really starts to identify those aspects of a person's personality. And I, you know, I'm kind of caution when folks aren't in that in our world. When we when we talk about personality, you know, it, yes, it is psychological, but it's not clinical, so to speak. It's it's really getting into the to the aspect or you know. Okay, when you're, let's measure you in the sense of when you're in certain situations, when you're in a certain environment, when you have certain decisions to make, what is going to be your tendency? How will you fit? You know, to make the point in the federal government and to kind of show you two ends of the spectrum, you may be great at technology or great at financial aspects, but are you going to fit at the EPA? Or are you going to fit working at the Navy or DOD? Those are two different environments. And somebody may have, you know, the skill set and the knowledge in the financial world, um, budgets and being an analyst or a job like that. But now they have to be in an environment of working every day and potentially become a leader. Well, you know, so I have to get down to fit a little bit as well. 
and we use and we're able to talk through um, some solutions with you know with our partners and customers to talk through okay how you know what does the position look like what what's really important um, to be successful here at, at agency X um, what does a successful person in that role look like yes. They have the degree. Yes, they have the training. Yes, they have the certification. Okay, we have 10 people who look like that. Now, how do, how do we differentiate those folks? Who's going to be the best fit? So, again, to an earlier point, so that we don't have the turnover, not because they couldn't do the job, but because they didn't fit in the environment in which they were working. So, using assessment on the front end, and it could be one or, or a battery, meaning you know, two to three assessments of measuring some personality aspects, their best fit has be- is becoming more and more popular and really playing a big role in making sure that we have the right folks, uh, we're able to train and, and, and have some longevity in their employment at the agency. So I realize I'm, I'm going a little deeper in assessments just because I'm a bit of an assessment geek. So it sounds like you're, you're looking at fit for role, so do I have the skills, but then fit for culture? Because that's fascinating to me. It is. You know, as we talked, as I kind of mentioned, I used, I guess, kind of an extreme example of the EPA and, and maybe DOD. Fit for culture. I mean, every organization has a culture, whether it's, you know, Department of Homeland Security or Amazon. Um, there's a culture. And you know, either you have to figure out as a as a candidate who's applying at one of those organizations, do I fit there, or are they going to figure out will you be successful here? So fit can you can kind of substitute fit with are you going to be successful? You know, fit, you know, fit for the culture. You would say, yeah, I can kind of fit here, but is is that our end goal that you just fit? or that you thrive and you're successful, that you're a long-term employee. Because we all know, right, we've all been around long enough to hear the numbers of how much does it cost to hire the wrong person to train them and have them leave in six months or a year. We want that person to thrive and to to fit and and to be into that culture. And then I think we come full circle. What's the vision that's being being communicated? What's the what what is the outward vision of that organization? So that one, I can select into the process or self-select out, saying, "Yeah, you know, I need I need a place that you know has rules and regulations, and and I know what to expect every day. I don't like surprises." Versus, man, I love a place that's coming and going. I want to work at Google. Um, I want a place that's, you know, something different every day. And that's something that the candidate can kind of um, make a choice on, but also that I think organizations using the right tools can assess and, uh, and make the, the right selection as well. You know, the other, the other thing that makes the, the 16PF so popular uh, and effective is that it, it, it's not only used for the selection process, but it's also used for the development post-hire. Okay. So I hate to cut this off after I push to talk more about it, but we only have a couple of minutes left. So, David, can you in one minute tell us kind of what you're doing in the government sector that's most exciting to you, and then we'll wrap up with your contact information. Sure. Yeah, one of the things that's really exciting 
is um, we've what we've done is we've taken the 16PS, which is one of our, our best tools, and we've mapped them to the leadership competencies at DO, the Department of Defense and on the civilian side. And we're using that tool to help the government identify folks early on in their employment as potential leaders going forward so that they can in- install them or put them into a path to become a leader within the federal government, and it's across all agencies, so it's not just targeted at a couple. And this process of mapping those competencies to the 16PF was a lot of work, but it's, it's really paying off, and I think we're going to see, a, we're going to get a lot of longevity out of that tool with the feds. So it sounds like that's going to be a huge asset in mm-hmm. addressing this idea that baby boomers are retiring and we need to not only stick bodies in there, but we need to be identifying the pipeline of people to, who are most likely to succeed in those kinds of roles within the agencies. Exactly. So let's shift gears just to wrap up. Can you give us your contact information? How would I get the book? How would I reach out to Pan? Yeah, the, the book's available on Amazon, Leading with Vision, and it's also you know, uh, leadingwithvisionbook.com. David uh, can be reached at, you know, panpower.com, and the 16PF has its own website, 16PF.com. Perfect. Okay, thank you. You have been joining Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I can be reached at info at metcalf-associates.com or on Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Please give us feedback. We would love to hear how this is working for you. And again, I encourage you to take something you heard from today's conversation. Do you have a vision for your organization, and are you communicating it effectively and creating cultures and systems that allow all of your employees to connect their purpose to what you offer. Thank you. Enjoy your week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. We'll be right back.